I, an email came through from Seth Godin this morning and it said, will everything be okay? And, and he'd written, it depends on what you mean by that. Is everything going to be the way it was and how I expected it to be? Um, then the answer would be no. And it always has been no. Um, but is everything going to be the way it's going to be? then yes, because we don't have control over that external environment. And the only way we move through in any uncertainty or helplessness, hopelessness is what is my next best step? Um, what am I going to do about the situation I'm in now instead of going too far forward or, or looking back on what's been and, and longing for what was? Because I don't think right now we, are, we get that luxury of, of having what what was everything's thrown on its head so there's really great opportunity for us as individuals to come back to what's truly important to me welcome to the self-love podcast the show that helps crack open your heart and inspire a deeper regard for your own well-being and happiness proudly brought to you by 28 essentials here's your host the gorgeous kim morrison Hey guys, welcome to this week's self-love podcast. I'm really excited to share with you a very special friend and guest of mine, the amazing Erin Barnes from Next Generation Wellness. You're going to love this interview. We did it a few weeks back, but I really think you're going to love it because it's really based around this whole fear and uncertainty that so many people are experiencing right now. Now, the amazing Erin has been entrenched in this industry, the health and wellness industry, for over 20 years. She's qualified with a Bachelor of Applied Science and Human Movement Sciences. She's an advanced neurolinguistic programming professional. She's a personal trainer. She's also a master mindfulness and cognitive behavioral therapist. And she's in a sports trainer. She's also gone through all of my trainings and is a qualified health and lifestyle educator, having gone through a number of the programs programs and trainings that I have run. Erin is somebody who is incredibly focused and amazingly driven, certainly around understanding how the brain works and why we do the things that we do. She knows that stress has been a major focus uh, main, you know, for many people, not only herself since her rheumatoid arthritis diagnosis at just 19 years of age, but she knows that stress can play out in many different ways in all of us in different ways. Now, one of the things that I particularly love about her is that she has a real passion for not only ongoing education, but also things like nutrition, mindset. And through that, she has developed a thing called the Four C's Coaching Methodology, which I think you'll find absolutely fascinating. She has been someone I look up to and really revere around her uh, ability to help people with their physical health, also their mental well-being, and most potent of all, their stress resilience. She is the founder, as I said, of Next Generation Wellness and the Four C's Methodology. She has also written two incredible planners, the Whole Life Success Planner and My Best Life Planner for Kids. This is how you get your day into order and you're able to be the magnificent and most best version of yourself. Honestly, this woman is going from strength to strength. She's about to launch her own podcast and all the links and how you can follow this incredible soul is in the show notes. I'm also really excited to say that one of the best things about this particular info, uh, interview for me is that Erin really does explain how the brain works and why we do the things we do and how we can alter our behavior. 
I sincerely believe you're going to love it. And I hope to goodness that you give us an amazing five-star rating over on iTunes and also leave any thoughts, comments, and feedback on my Kim Morrison Training Facebook page, which is where I share all the podcasts there. Thanks to the Wellness Couch Uh, We are able to also post all comments and feedback there, uh, particularly in the Facebook group as well. Guys, lock yourselves in. This is an amazing interview with one incredible soul, and I sincerely hope you enjoy it as much as I do. Take care now. Erin Barnes, it is such a treat to have you on the show. Welcome, and thank you so much for giving us your time. Well, I have a little bit of it at the moment, Kim, but it's always a pleasure to spend time with you and and different audiences who I think right now are after lots of new things and lots of new tips and strategies and learning on, on how we can live better and live kinder and healthier and happier. I think you're absolutely right, sweetheart. And, you know, being a, a podcast all around self-love, whilst I appreciate that the world right now is not as we know it and probably will never be as we knew it before, what's your definition of self-love? Oh, mine is definitely around um, personal integrity. So whatever it is that I'm doing, that it is in line with, A, what I say that I will do and following through on that. And also following through on the things that are really important to me. So values aligned and, and staying aligned with those habits and choices and thinking and, and being um, is, is self-love to me, self-respect. Yeah. Well, self-respect's an interesting one in itself, isn't it? How would you determine self-respect then? Like it's, it's a very interesting word that. What does self-respect mean to you? To me, self-respect is is in line with that personal integrity. So it's it's taking responsibility. So as you would talk about being above the line in terms of the way that we're showing up. So taking responsibility, always being self-respect is is living life to in terms of what I allow into my life and what I put out into the universe that is aligned with my values. So if that means setting boundaries to other people, then that might be where it is in terms of things coming in. But in terms of what I'm putting out, being very intentional around how do I want to show up? How do I want to be each day? What do I want to think and feel each day? And then choosing that. And then the key to the self-respect bit is doing it because I know it's, you know, the brain loves small wins. So if we stop doing those things that are really important to us, um, then the self-respect piece can become a little bit damaged. I heard many years ago um, one a, a, a gentleman out of the States, I can't remember off the top of me, but I think he was a Navy SEAL, and he said something around those small wins, and he said little things like every day getting up and making your bed is a small win, and it's a wonderful way to set yourself up for the day. And I know there's many people who don't choose to make their beds, and you know that's that's their alignment, but it was something that I really ingrained with my children. And even though it might not be natural for them to want to do that, I've noticed every day since now that they're adults, there's not very many days that go by that they don't make their bed. Could you give us a little bit more of an explanation around what you mean with brain wins? Yeah, sure. So so when it comes to personal integrity and the way that we feel about ourselves and certainly in terms of behaviour change, 
our body, oh, from a young, young age, we, we have stored experiences and um, things that we've heard and seen and we store all of that in, in our brain and they become our paradigm or our belief systems. And then throughout life, obviously, all the data that we see around us, our brain has to choose some of that data and it does it based on what is aligned with our belief systems. So if we look at, um, so for, for, for me, for example, um, I grew up in a, a home that was very much, very organised. Um, and so those organisational traits, I learned to be important. So throughout life, um, I have adopted those. However, if for some reason things would get in the way of me doing that behaviour of being organised, then I would automatically go into a bit of a fear response and I could go into a self-critical space as well where then other habits that are really important to me become depleted as well and I don't move forward on those. And then bit by bit, if we're not giving the brain what it believes to be true and important to us, then we can step into this self-criticism, which is ultimately a fear response. And then bit by bit, we lose that hope and possibility and our belief in ourselves that we can change. And so we get into that state of hopelessness and helplessness and then become very stuck in in a space that we don't particularly want to be in that's interesting isn't it because with suicide and depression and anxiety being you know at an incredible high we know in australia alone there is eight suicides a day Mm. with over 300 attempts when you're talking about the hopelessness and despair and not feeling good and and maybe even going into that place of self-sabotage do you think there's hope for people that feel down and out right now and don't have a lot of self-love. And if you do feel there's hope, yeah, but what can we do? What are some small steps? I I think right now what, I mean, what we're experiencing now around fear and uncertainty is very different to what, you know, even three weeks ago, what I would talk to people about fear and uncertainty. So I would always talk around behaviour change and how fear gets in the way of behaviour change and the goals that we want and that comes because the fear response when it's activated stops us seeing new possibilities to see new behaviors that would take us in a new direction however now in this uncertainty piece it's it's more that we're stuck in this anticipatory anxiety which is when the the brain the basal ganglia which normally brings in some information um, determines what to do with it and then sends an action response to the action center of the brain so that we can start movement to towards the thing at the moment the brain is actually just processing variables constantly and is getting stuck in that state without being able to send an action signal to the action part of the brain so in that space right now with what we're seeing we're in this space of i don't know what to do so the key key to that and getting out of that hopelessness feeling is to build that self-awareness so that we can be, or pattern interrupt, so that we can be more attentive to the present so that we can make a choice because it doesn't matter if we choose A or B and if we chose A and it perhaps wasn't the right or best choice in that moment, it doesn't matter if we go that way. Choosing the wrong response is actually better than choosing nothing at all um, because we stay in that helplessness and hopelessness. So action is key, but in terms of choosing the right action, then we need to build that attentiveness to the present moment and also step back into 
who am I? What's important to me? My values? What, what do I hold to be important in my life? What behaviours do I want? How do I want to show up each day? Um, and come back to those really basic things that I think we have an opportunity to do right now when everything's thrown on its head. So, yes, there is, you know, we can step out of it, but it takes the, the back-end work first of, of re-evaluating what, what we need. And I, it was funny, I, I, an email came through from Seth Godin this morning and it said, will everything be okay? And, and he'd written, it depends on what you mean by that. Is everything going to be the way it was and how I expected it to be? Um, then the answer would be no, and it always has been no. Um, but is everything going to be the way it's going to be? then yes, because we don't have control over that external environment. And the only way we move through in any uncertainty or helplessness, hopelessness is what is my next best step? Um, what am I going to do about the situation I'm in now instead of going too far forward or, or looking back on what's been and, and longing for what was? Because I don't think right now we, are, we get that luxury of, of having what, what was everything's thrown on its head so there's really great opportunity for us as individuals to come back to what's truly important to me and to recalibrate a new direction across lots of areas of life and take some steps little baby steps to move toward them you know it's it's something that i think when we're in a fairly good space we can assess and we can have that self-awareness and we can you know, take a breath and if we've learnt meditation or if we've learnt about grounding or we know that sometimes anxiety can be controlled just with even saying some things that you're grateful for. There's a number of different little things that we can do. But I also know that when you are really anxious and really worried and finding yourself, for want of a better word, in a flap, it's what, what, what is it that happens to the brain and us when we go into, like we become space cadets almost, where we no, don't even have any logic? What's that no. about? No, so if we think of uh, the simplest way, I mean, the brain's incredible, it's, it's very complex, but if we look at it really simply, we've got this big part on top of the brain that's the neocortex, and that helps us with things like planning and emotional and social intelligence, um, judgment, creativity, logic, conscious awareness, it allows us to make decisions moving forward logically. And so, of course, right now, most of us aren't in that state. And when anything goes not to plan, um, when we assume we've got control over it and we're in that state, then the neocortex is offline and the limbic brain dominates. And that's in, in that limbic part of the brain, which is it houses all our emotional circuitry. In there, there is an area called the amygdala and it takes 10 milliseconds to register fear. So it, we can, whether we're aware of it or not, if there's input coming or we're thinking a certain way or there's noise in our external environment, that limbic brain is firing and we become stressed in that stress response, in that fight, flight response. And not only do we get in that moment, we get immune, immune suppression, which um, you know, none of us want long term. But we also, it pushes us very quickly into autopilot. So just into the same patterns that we, that we are used to. Um, and so in that stress response, it's very difficult to try and think logically, okay, well, what is my next step? Or where would I go next? Or let me look at the bigger picture because everything becomes tighter and more tunnel vision than ever before. So yeah, it's, it's, the, the key to it is how do we tame that amygdala down? Some personality types, it's firing more often generally than others. Um, but if we can use those tools, those things around meditation, um, 
even if you're feeling really ill through it, just moving through that process, meditation, you know, working on those physical habits, the sleep, those tiny, tiny rituals, um, even hydrating, um, diffusing the beautiful oils, those types of things and being present to the moment through those habits, um, then it can just create a little bit of space, tame that amygdala down so that we can start to get that neocortex back online and bring in some conscious awareness and some logic and some emotional intelligence sometimes because that might disappear fairly soon too, I think. Well, we know when emotions are high, intelligence is low, so, <laughs> so I understand. There's a lot of stress also around the money. Of course, there's a lot of stress around money, but the thing that probably keeps me calm through these times Erin is knowing that everybody's in the same position there, you know, there's very few people, um, you know, that are so well set up that it wouldn't matter what happened in the world, they'd be fine. Um, so I appreciate that finances are there for everybody. What would you suggest to people that are really, you know, they're stuck at home with young kids, they might be in a unit, they aren't getting outside very much. What sort of routines or rituals would you embrace into the home that embraces the children as well? Yeah, I think you know, I'm I'm very much around how do we leave lead at home, at work and in the community because we're the same person. So yes, in different situations we might have to shift how we're showing up slightly, but I think the very first step is still coming back to that thing of how how do I want to be? If if today was my last day and I was to be remembered about with how I was showing up today. How how would that be? Is it to be kind? Is it to be is it to be productive? Is it to be present? Is it any any type of word that you can be clear in your mind and say that is really if, if that was it and I was showing up, I would be proud at the end of the day that I was being that way. Again, then it is just a matter of knowing that through the course of the day, if we're stuck at home and there's that unconscious fear sitting there around health and finances and then you've got these little people or big people under your feet um, all doing their own thing and managing their own fears and uncertainties and priorities, then if, if you could sit together and say, how do we want to be together in the house and how do each of us individually want to show up? And then what we can do is put things like post-it notes around the house with those words on it just to remind us that that's what we want. I think sometimes there's so many things and there are so many things that we could integrate. Um, the simple ones will what is what will get us through this time. It's coming back to those simple ones, getting that under control, moving to the next one because all of them have that cumulative effect that raises that hope and possibility and takes us that... So the amygdala will... We'll always process fear first, but right behind that is hope and possibility. So if we can raise hope and possibility and, and do something very simple around at the end of the day, did I show up that way? And if we did, then that's great. That's a little bit of hope and possibility. So it's not, it's, it's getting away from solving a big problem right now and just coming back to really simple steps around what is important, how do I want to show up, what do I need today? And then asking those around you the same thing we we start the day in our house with a, a planner um, so my husband and I have always had a productivity planner that also has a morning um, ritual around it in terms of who do we want to contact act of kindness um, who needs me today all of those sorts of questions we plan the day and then we finish the day with some questions around accountability with those thing, intentions that we set in the morning 
and our kids, um, which I'm more than happy to share if it's relevant. Um, the kids have a planner too, which is very similar, slightly different questions just in their language, um, and they go through the same process. So in the morning we sit together right now and we look at what each of our priorities are, how we'd like to show up, um, people we'd like to contact and communicate with, something nice we could do for somebody else, um, which of course makes us feel more hopeful and, and more optimistic. And then we understand what everyone's priorities are and so we can be more generous towards them with what they're shooting for and they can be more generous to us too and it's almost a boundary setting exercise and an understanding of each other which compromise and understanding I think when we're all locked into a house um, will be really important. That's so beautiful and I think for people listening to this, probably in awe, you know, some people are just so getting through each day, the thought of planning things. But we all know that planning is exactly what we need to do in these moments. Even, yes. Sorry. Yeah, even in, if we're thinking we're stuck in that anticipatory anxiety, the process of planning brings a little bit of hopefulness back to our day. Um, and those little behaviours, you're right, that, that help us to feel better are my son got up today and he was walking around. I went out for a walk and came back and he was still in his pyjamas and nothing had, had been done and he will always take the path of least resistance if he can. And I, I came home and I said to him, okay, so jump out of your pyjamas. He said, but we're not going anywhere. Why would I? And so we had to explain that, that that gives him a bit of purpose to his day because coming back to that, that hope and possibility or that helplessness, it is when we lose a sense of purpose or direction that we get stuck in that anticipatory anxiety and we're just always looking at different options but not moving forward on it. So I think we're at risk right now for a long time of a lot of people feeling like they don't have that sense of purpose. And so if we can plan a day, even those things like making the bed, getting dressed, having breakfast and, and focusing our attention on that being a really positive choice, then it brings and raises, it tames that amygdala and raises hope and possibility, which is all we're after constantly in this state. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I listened to a gentleman not long ago talk about isolation and he um, is an astronaut and had a year in space in total isolation. And um, I mentioned on a podcast before just how fascinating I found that. And he said that it's really important that you stay in rituals and that you stay, oh, not rituals, but routines, he called them. And he was just about making sure that at the same time every day he did do things. Otherwise, you could go quite crazy. What happens to people? I mean, we are, we are naturally human beings who are social creatures and not many of us are going to find ourselves in space for one year. However, this whole coronavirus, this whole new way of being, this whole sense of the word social distancing and so, you know, self-isolation and things like this. What do you think this is going to do to the human yeah. race? Look, uh, there, there is so much talk around the fear and uncertainty and collective fear and losing things and all of those things. But I think right now it was something that I really watched within myself the other day is there's, there's a couple of things. There's, all of a sudden there's this almost this growing fear of each other. So we, we went down to IGA just around the corner and the kids and I stayed outside. Trav, my husband, went in to get something. And as he came, he actually got some cupcake um, little wrappers so that the kids could do some cooking. And he dropped them. And this beautiful girl came past, as you normally would, and picked it up and gave it to him. And I stopped breathing almost. I looked at him and thought, and she saw me and, and I just thought, I had that recognition of, oh, my gosh, you're probably 15 and I'm frightened of you. And that yes. that can tear a social fabric apart very, very quickly if we start 
being fearful of each other. And of course, in terms of mental health, mental health is social. So, you know, there's an element of that that is taken away as we know it. Um, so in, I think in terms of what we do with that, yes, we have to be very intentional about how and creative around how do we how do we become social in, in a time like this? And although we can't touch other people, we can still give greater hugs and, and be closer to those that are really important to us in a home. But we can set up different ways to, to talk to people. So I organised a couple of my close friends that we go walking each week and we just had a Zoom call and we had a chat and, and look, that in itself, I think, made us all feel like we were still connected, that we were all still there and we weren't alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I, another, this, this fear of other people, piece I think um, stepping away and protecting that input that is coming into the brain whether we're aware of it being fearful or not it's if it's not a positive emotion coming in it will build on that that um, amygdala and that fear response so even as much as yes choosing how much social media we take in but even not you know when when the rants are on there around other people and and that grows that fear of other people or anger towards other people that may not be doing the right thing not commenting not not engaging in it i think it doesn't the person doesn't know it's not that's perhaps done the wrong thing it's only ever feeding our own fear of each other or our own anger towards each other and that's not helpful when we really want to be raising hope and optimism at this time so really protecting that that input and and those that contact with those that are in your space um and i'm very mindful that there are people possibly who haven't got anyone um and so i would suggest looking at the the contact over zoom or skype or facetime or any of those those things is really important right now but scheduling it in to a day planning who is it that i'm going to speak to today we have an opportunity to contact people we may not have spoken to for a really long time it's funny i've been doing more and more recordings of podcasts and someone said to me oh why have you started your own podcast and i said i think it's just my it's an excuse (laughs) a great excuse to connect with the people i love respect and look up to and it gives us an opportunity to connect in and also share the conversation and that's what i love about podcasts things like FMTV and Gaia, online, beautiful um, uh, YouTube conversations, TED Talks, like all of those things are would be a powerful thing to be filling our brains with right now, yes, wouldn't they? Absolutely. Actually, and I, um, Brene Brown had just released hers, is it Unlocking Us, her new podcast too, oh. um, which I tuned into and she was talking about her FFTs and it was a bleep first time um, <laughs> and how we're all in that right now, the We've all, we've all had a time where we've been the first time doing something in that, oh, that uncertainty and that icky feeling that it brings up. Um, right now we're all in it. Um, so it's, she had some great tips in that too on just navigating through the process of emotion and understanding more about what we do in a certain emotion and, and that's really helpful too. But we're, we are, we're all feeling this. We've never been there and the FFT rings true. I think it's our first time. Yeah, <laughs> it sure is. And, and I think it's, you know, but it, and in many ways, every day is a first time, isn't it? Like yes. I think we've just taken it a bit for granted. I remember when, mm. you know, my kids were teenagers and there were times when it was very difficult or, you know, challenging or they were being smart or, you know, trying to reset boundaries and things like that. I remember one day taking a breath and looking at them both. I'd been in tears. I think I'd yelled. I don't think I'd been a very good example of a, of a great parent at all. And I just remember sitting there one day and I looked at them both at the dinner table and I said, I'm really sorry. I've, I've never been a mum of a 15 and a 16 year old before I've never 
walked this territory. This is the first time for me. So I may not always get it right, but I'm just, I also know that you guys have never been 15 and 16 before, and you don't know how to relate to someone like me at this time when you're feeling all these things. So I think acknowledging that is, is one of the greatest things that we could ever do. And, and out of that, I'd love to know your thoughts and feelings around forgiveness, you know, forgiveness. What does that mean to you? And how does that help the brain and our bodies and our souls and our minds? Yeah, well, I, th- I think if we're holding any, if we're needing to forgive, if that's required of us in any given time, then obviously there is there is hurt, there is some sort of some sort of emotion, negative emotion that sits around that. Um, it could be sadness, it could raise shame, it could be disappointment, any of those types of things, fear, which any of those emotions ultimately will start that fear response, and sometimes the other person, if we're having to forgive somebody else, they may or may not be aware that there is even something to forgive. Um, And I think then forgiveness for ourselves, again, we're we're in this fear response and self-criticism without even realising so often that it's not until we stop and and we have the opportunity to do that now is to say, right, I've just reacted really badly um, or not my best um, and the the best movement forward towards forgiveness of self is through that vulnerability that you would show with your children saying oh, this is my first time I've never done this before um, it gives the other person the opportunity to do the same when when something happens to them and they don't act the best and become critical of themselves so it's an element of self-compassion if it's around forgiveness to other people again that in terms of the brain it's it's hurting us more than the other person um and i although it's it's difficult and there are stories of such pain behind some things that need forgiven and they aren't necessarily our fault and we didn't necessarily um contribute to having done anything to deserve that but again again it just comes back to what can i do with this again did i assume something was going to be another way was there an expectation that something was going to be another way and just reminding ourselves that we never have control over what other people do and things that happen in that external environment and so it's just that constant reminder of which has been my mantra for a long time my behavior matters but after that I have no control so whether you openly go out and forgive someone um is probably not necessarily even the point in it in terms of how we deal with it and the impact on the brain and stress. It's more around how do we, what do we do with it? What's our next step? And as soon as we start to take action, start to become more emotionally um, literate, then we can begin to move through some of the stranglehold of, of hurt and and disappointment and shame and those negative emotions. Um, but it's, it's for ourselves more than the other person. Hanging on to it just doesn't, doesn't help anyone, I don't believe. No. Has Erin ever become someone she wished she wasn't? <laughs> All the time. <laughs> and so we, we've had the same conversations at home. Um, look, a, a primary example, and this, this is, again, when we can build in little opportunities for, for awareness, we start to understand what sits behind our not-so-great behaviours and habits. And I know for me... Um, one of the biggest fears in my life is is fear of fear of failure, but it's probably a fear of embarrassment that sits under there. Um, and so, 
I always, I've always watched myself if I have to be in front of people, if I have to do anything that there's a great risk of criticism, then I become mean, really mean at home. Um, and, and so I, I will go around and I'm impatient and unkind. And, and, but again, doing what you had mentioned in saying to the kids, okay, you know, I need to share that I get really nervous and afraid when I'm afraid that people, when I might make a mistake or when people might be criticising me. And this is what it makes me do. But I need you to know that it's, it's not about you. It's about me. And so from then on, this was probably three years ago, from then on they just sort of go, oh, there she goes, almost, you know, they don't deal with it. <laughs> Give her space. Give her what she's asked. Um, and another great example was not very long ago I'd come home, we'd had this beautiful day with friends and I'd come home and I had things I needed to do and someone had made a comment as I was leaving and just said, chill out, Erin, it's Sunday, just enjoy it. And it really hurt because I thought, oh, you don't know how much I want, want to do that. But then I had to really come back and look at what's, why do I need to get these things done? Anyway, all this was going around in my head and I was really mean, so mean that my daughter packed her little bag, got her money jars, took, oh. her, um, took her bird at the time and walked out the door. Oh, stop. Yeah, I was really mean. And then um, I said to I said to Eric, look, I'm, I knew she wouldn't go too far. And I said, look, I'm I'm going to bed. I think that's the best thing that I can do for everyone. <laughs> anyway, she came back in, and after I had been so awful to everyone, she came in and she was patting me on the back, and she said, and I said, I'm so glad you didn't run away, Isa. And she said, me too, because I really didn't know where to go. And I was like, oh, good. <laughs> um, but she said, she said, you know, Mum, I just think you need to let it out. And so of course I lost it. Started bawling and and um and snorting and she was patting my back and she said and I said I'm so sorry um I just feel like I'm not doing anything very good at the minute I don't think I'm doing my work very good I don't think I'm being a very good mum and and rattled off and she said well you know mum that's just a story you're telling in your head and I think you need a better story and it was good and it's what we do quite a lot but but in that moment not only did she did she say that and remind me of that? But she also sat there and rattled off all these beautiful things that I do do well. And it was just this moment of, of realisation that, I mean, that was forgiveness beautifully done by her. I had been... How old is she? She was at the time. Ten, uh, ten. She was, just she was ten. Ten. Yeah. amazing. And it's, yeah, I, I, that's where I look at now and think we, every now and again, we can just bring, rather than trying to solve these really big problems that, that we might face from time to time in life, it's just like, well, actually, what's really important to me? Um, and how do I start living that and leading that? And it comes back to you at some point. I mean, those words, all of that has been, we've lived like that for a long time and I needed it that day. Mm. Um, and so it's, yeah, I think if we can be more forgiving, other people will always be more forgiving to us. If we can show more kindness, you will receive more kindness. If we show more vulnerability, we will get more support and people will be open and we will feel more um, connected, even if it's in a virtual sense these days. Um, you know, we do have opportunity just to, to sit back and think, how can I do this differently? You know, there's things that you've just mentioned in there that obviously as mums we berate ourselves, we can feel guilty, we can feel shame or remorse or all of those things. I'm yet to meet a mum yet that says she was the perfect mother or is the perfect mum. And I'd say the same for dads. Is there ever anything you wish you could change about yourself? Not just as a mum but as as a Yeah, wow. Um, I I would have loved to have done the learning that I have done around myself a lot earlier. Um, I was certainly someone that was so frightened of other people that 
I really, when people spoke to me, I would choke up and I literally couldn't speak. And so I, I wish I had have understood that who I was as a person and a personality type <clears throat> was, is, is okay. Um, and and learnt and uncrossed my arms around things that perhaps weren't as sciencey at the time that we didn't have scientific proof around, just to experience life and its uncertainties and its um, and, and just to open up around taking more brave steps. So I, I think I would have loved to have been more brave from a younger age, mm. but that just takes discomfort more often and, and none of us want to be sitting in discomfort. <laughs> I know. But, but we also know that we should get comfortable being uncomfortable because you should. with that uncomfortableness, if you're aware of it and you actually look at it and observe it and then work on it, actually you end up creating a more comfortable space and that's yes. what we call growth, right? Yes, yes. Stretching and it's our little little mantra, particularly with my daughter, it's around what's your stretch today, what's your stretch and we all do it, particularly the two of us who are probably similar personality types and have that fear of embarrassment and criticism um, more than my husband and son. So it's, yeah, I, I think it's, it's those learnings around um, A, being brave, but in order to be brave, I think it was still coming back to how do I look after myself and I, I you know, back to self-care, back to self-care in terms of really much better nutrition, prioritising sleep and that's okay. Things don't have to get done um, that I believe that had to, taking time to sit with the kids, learning to meditate and journal and, and being self-compassionate. That one was a really tough one for me because I really thought that it was a bit soft and you know, kind of let, let myself off the hook and, and there was conflict between, for me, that integrity piece of personal integrity and then being soft and gentle and compassionate. Um, so learning around self-compassion in terms of now the learning, I understand it is, it's just being kind. It is allowing the opportunity to move mindfully through what we do rather than block it and get angry or, or run away and hide. Um, and it allows us to to understand that we're not alone in what we're, we're experiencing. So um, being kind and saying, you know, it's okay, Erin, you're not the only person to have yelled at your children. Um, <laughs> and, and even that is nice because when we're in this feeling of discomfort, it's usually we're telling ourselves a story that, that we're the only one that this has happened to and it's not helpful for moving through it at all. Who's someone that you think is living a very respectful life or beautiful or someone that you look to people you know or don't know who are people in your world that you would say is beautiful and why mm. and then we have beauty in a lot of different ways to and draw on different different parts absolutely you kim you i mean you um, personify what you what you teach and, and how you lead um without a doubt my my beautiful sister Leonie, she just his pure kindness in in things that she speaks and and it was interesting we were talking the other day um around around kindness and and she was feeling really stuck right now around how do we help people because although we all talk about being kind and using kind words we can do that when things are going well but as soon as things don't actually people that are thinking they're kind are very unkind and we can all be that person um and so she she really does she just personifies kindness and um and and time for people and uh, i love that about her and my husband i'm very fortunate to to have someone who's really caring his friends always say he's the nicest guy on the planet so um i'm lucky to be very closely surrounded by people that i admire and just how they show up every day more than the big things that people see it's the little things that i probably love to look at with people the things that they're not doing for attention or 
um, to be influential or to be in the spotlight. I think it's so beautiful and thank you for the compliment. And, and while we're talking of Leonie, let's just give her a little, give her a plug how people can yeah. follow her. Yeah, so they, um, her, her business, she's a journalist, her background, so her and her business partner, Christy, have a business called um, The Splendid Word, which is all around copywriting and, and marketing and um, lots of different things around how do we spread the good news, not just the bad news, because they were from backgrounds who that's what they got to report on, all the bad things that were happening and, and they saw the opening to really start to to spread the good things. So the podcast um, that they have too and, and some community events is called Spreading the Good Stuff and, and that's what they do. And it's, it's in terms of looking at things to listen to now around optimism and hope and people doing great things, it's a, it's a really nice podcast to tune into. Yeah, she's gorgeous and I absolutely love catching up with them whenever we're down in beautiful Victoria. So it's always a treat yeah. to catch up with her. Tell me, um, what do you love about you? I, I love that I could bring logic in, in um, so it's, let's say, a, a problem solver, um, but not to the point that I believe that I can solve everything, but that I have an ability to step back and hear and see things that other people can't see in terms of opportunities to move through challenge. Um, it just, it's, I don't know, it's almost a picture that I see when people are talking about all different things, whether it's health and socially, relationally, all of those elements. And I, I feel like I can just see where there's gaps that, that they can really start to, to make shifts and for myself. So it's that ability to step back in life and, and see a different solution to what we're pushing against. Mm. What else? Oh, um, I am empathetic, um, <clears throat> which... I certainly didn't allow myself to show for the first 35 years of my life um, because I probably thought that was soft. It was just a belief that I grew up um, believing being the third child who I'm fairly sure my dad wanted me to be a boy. So I was the one that went out on the boxing bag and, and outside on the farm as opposed to my sister being on the piano and doing those things. So, um, however, I realised you know, more recently that actually I am really empathetic and and then the bravery piece was probably about showing when I felt for other people or, um, you know, actually being there for them and, and verbalising that rather than not and being empathetic but not being there for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely ha- have empathy towards other people um, and, then the, and then building that towards myself, that self-compassion piece has been something that I've worked on really hard for the last um, few years and it has just then allowed me to, to look after myself. Mm. Well, do you want me to tell you what I love about oh, you? Oh, I'll, pop it in, I'll pop it in my truth book. Um, it's a nice little one that we should all have beside our bed, all the beautiful things that people say about us. Oh, one of the things that I encourage people to do is to write love notes. And, you know, a love note is something when you hear something or see someone or you're in, in acknowledgement of someone or you just see someone really trying um, you know, one of my love notes to Erin would always be that she's incredibly caring and very uh, responsible and incredibly mindful around the way we move our bodies and the way that we um, can actually take care of ourselves, not only in a physical way, but how the physical impacts and supports us mentally, emotionally and spiritually as well. And I think you've just got such a kind, kindest eyes I've ever known and she's got the best smile, guys, so you've got to make sure you follow her. Could you tell us a little bit about what you do so that people can see more of you? 
Sure. So my, my business, Next Generation Wellness, has, uh, when it began and still now, is very much outcome focused on how do we help our next generation to be healthier and more well mentally and more connected and all these things that we're risking today of, and things that are on the decline. Um, so my, my role is around physically, mentally, emotionally, looking at all the things that, that perhaps add to the load so that we're not showing up the best, add to stress, so that it's not stress doesn't pervade all the areas of our life, whether that's physical health, our relationships, our kindness, our purpose, our performance and productivity. So it's very much on looking at life from a higher view, looking at what's what's off because there usually is something um, and then going in with these are some really great strategies to use and then interrupting our autopilot so working closely I have a four C's coaching methodology that works through those areas of the brain so that we can integrate behavior change towards what we want in life um, but at the, at the end of it all it is all about how do we how do we lead better show up better at home at work and in the community and, and lead our next generation towards um, connection and health and well-being and satisfaction it's amazing it's amazing can you tell us then how you personally um i can tell we know that you're a doer you're somebody who uh, gives her all has high expectations of herself and therefore has high expectation of what you deliver and give to your community and your family and everything and i know you've done a lot of work on yourself in allowing yourself to not always have to do everything. <laughs> and I know that you've actually forgiven yourself for when you don't do things as well as you think you should be doing them. And I know that it's been something that I've had the privilege to watch your journey over the last five, six years. Um, and it has been an honor to witness you and your growth and what you're about and to be part of your journey with you has been a real privilege, I have to say, and what you've given to me and my own personal growth and wellness has been phenomenal. And so I just want to ask, you know, understanding that side of us that isn't always so great and understanding there's a side of us that's always open for newness and growth and things like that. Can you tell me what dulls your life, your shine, your brightness? What, what brings you down? It would definitely be um, busyness would, would, uh, would sit above everything because, and that, that happens usually when I'm in fear around something. So I distract myself. Business was a distraction from discomfort for me always. Um, so when I busy, everything falls apart for me. It's, it's my, I will busy and not prioritize sleep. I will busy and not prioritize eating well. I will busy and not get out in sunshine. I will busy and not connect with someone. Um, so I know for me it's, and it's something I think if we can learn about ourselves is the one thing that you will not let go. Um, and, or the one thing that you watch for. So busyness for me is this red flag that takes me away from my values because I know everything bit by bit will start to, to fall apart. Um, so on the flip side, I know that there's, there's probably three or four things that I just don't let go no matter what. And one of those would be meditation. Um, and one of them would be food as well as I can. So an 80% rule I have on food um, and, and beautiful um, essential oils. They're in the house, they're in the car, they're everywhere. They just, they, they're a tool for me to, um, to calm and to check back in and, what's my next best step, I can do it with that. Um, but busyness is definitely, the, it dulls everything for me because all the behaviours that hold me and keep me at my best start to drop off. I think so many of us can relate to that. For me, I start, I know, I know when I'm stressed, I go on a vigilante of cleaning, <laughs> I just clean. 
and everybody just goes, oh, shite, look at her. She's cleaning. Get out of her way. Use her face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I do also find when I'm aware of that, that I'm doing it. So I guess if you're the same, if you're aware of that busyness, sometimes would you agree that it becomes, if you can use it in a powerful way, it can be a good distraction or a cleansing of the mind? Would that be fair? Yes, because I think when, when, when it's busy, because of course there's times that are busy, but is it, is it empowering or is it not? <laughs> and so, yes, coming back again, if sometimes we understand what our greatest fear is and when it's fear of criticism and failure and embarrassment, then the busyness is a pure distraction from the thing that I know that I want to do and I can't hide from that. So even if I distract myself all day, busying myself and getting cranky because I'm not doing the thing that I know that I'm going to do, need to do, that stays with me. So I still think under all of something, under everything, there's a, there's a fear that drives us into a behaviour that then everything starts to fall apart quickly. Um, and I think that's, that's the hard work sometimes is mm. trying to really work out what that is um, so that we can watch the behaviour. And then when the behaviour starts, the busyness behaviour for me, I can step back and say, right, so obviously this fear is here. What is it that I'm afraid of? Um, and usually it's I need to do something um, probably through work that puts your, puts me out there open for criticism um, and failure and embarrassment. And so then I know when I do it, I feel better. Um, and so then I can use the busyness towards something purposeful rather than just being busy for busy's sake. Yeah, exactly. You've talked about the neocortex cortex and the amygdala and the way the brain works and, and understanding our fear responses, which I'm assuming would affect our autonomic nervous system and all sorts of things, which then affects our gut, which then affects our brain. And there's this loop and this constant yes. thing, which would then affect our hormones. What I'd love to ask you, do you, and I know nutrition is a big part of your knowledge and your information. Are there certain foods that can support us when we're in a bad time or we're going through a tough time or we don't feel the love for ourselves or we are anxious or worried or in that fear response are there any tips you can give us around nutrition yes firstly i think when we're in and understanding that when we're in that stress response what's happening inside of us everything becomes very inflamed and acidic so anything that is quite alkaline is really positive to put in so that's coming back to beautiful greens greens again are really supportive for the the nervous system um you know if you if it's spinach which is really simple just to throw on top of things it can be really helpful with some vitamin c in it with some b vitamins that help for our immunity because ultimately when we're in a stress state the the problem with it or in terms of a physical health point is is inflammation um so the the direction and the choices that we're making should be which one thing today would move the needle the most for me in terms of reducing inflammation and so around food i I would say getting those beautiful greens in six handfuls a day um and shoot for that At, at a time like this um, people know that there or any time where it's difficult, people know that they need to be working on their health, but because it's such a big beast, um, people can't move forward on a step. And so just one, greens, you beautiful, nice vitamin C, so a camu camu powder, I think, for immunity too is really important. Um, but real food, it still comes back to if we're putting something in real, um, getting some good bacteria in, lots of greens then our body can use that i think we can simplify food to say um it can my body use it and if it's sugar and if it's chemicals then our body doesn't know how to utilize those things so it's is it real and if that's if that's as as much as we do then that's really beneficial on reducing the load on the body um and then you can step forward on on my website there's a free resource which is really really simple 
it just says um, it's called simplifying food and it's just a basic checklist that you could tick and say, have I got that? Yes, 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 yes in a meal. Um, and it's you know 80% of the time, 70% of the time, but you get to use the flavours and foods that you love. Um, you're just trying to get some things like a bacteria, like a greens, like a protein, all those elements that we look at and think those 11 organ systems in the body, they need fuel and they come from those foods. So if we can do that, we can move through stressful times much better. Um, but I think it's always with any of this work because there's a lot, lots of things we could do across physical health, emotional health. It's always coming back to that, that acceptance that every positive choice we make is having an impact cumulatively over time rather than not doing anything because the, the thing, all the things look too big. So it's, it's actually not just doing the right behaviour or the thing that you know will make a difference. It's also stopping in that moment, being really appreciative that you're doing that and embodying the fact that you are, that will give so much of the benefit of what you're doing, give the brain a small win. And so then you're more likely to continue that habit. But if we're just doing it with no awareness around it or thinking, well, yes, I'm, I'm eating my greens, but I'm not doing all these other things and getting my bacteria and getting these things in, we stay in that stress response and that one behaviour won't stick. Um, so I think embodying the positive things that we do, even if they're tiny, is key in stressful times. Are there any other things that you do for yourself to make yourself feel more beautiful and more loved? Beautiful and loved. I, I love a – so my house is – it's just it's not elaborate with things at all. It's it's small and it's but it's cozy. It's a feel. So all my environments, they smell good and they look nice and they are clean. Um. So um. For me, in terms of the day, the day runs really smoothly if if each environment I'm in has a nice look and feel and smell. Um. So that's really important to me. The first hour of the day, though, for me, is what makes or breaks. But actually, it's probably extended. It's probably the first two hours of my day that <laughs> makes or breaks how that day goes. Um, and I, I think a lot of people could agree that if we don't roll over and hit snooze and we get up regardless of if we've got lots to do in our day, um, shifts the tra trajectory on a whole different direction. Mm. Do you do any um, pampering things for yourself? Do you make time oh, for that? Yeah, so I do. Um, I would have a bath once a week. Um, I try my best to sneak in there so that no one knows I'm in there, but that it does end up with someone else in there, um, one, one of the kids usually. And, and that's adorable because it's this time that, particularly with my son, I look at him in his eyes, whereas for some reason I, I find that I don't do that with him often and we're right opposite each other and it's, it's such a lovely thing. Um, bath once a week. Um, beautiful oils are diffusing in different rooms everywhere i use your lovely products for a facial at least once a week usually two times a week um and that process it's not just about the fact that you're doing the behavior of a facial it's not that it's the the wonderful things that you talk about just taking that moment to breathe and looking in your own eyes and and just that gratitude for what we have um and just space space to breathe and and check in and how we're we're going saying something to ourselves if we need to say it. And so I used to always have little questions more than affirmations. Affirmations I struggled with, I didn't believe them. So I would always put a question up around, you know, why am I a kind person or why, why am I brave um, and try and answer that so that I could try and put some new input into that brain to believe a different story. Um, we get outside every day. Movement is an everyday thing for me. Um, yoga first thing in the morning because I'm, you know, I don't, I don't like labelling, but I'm, I'm not typically great in the morning. So 
I would get up. The very first thing I do is I only have to move to the couch to meditate and then I only have to move to my yoga mat to do yoga. Whereas if I had to go and do something really hard and strenuous outside, I would probably find an excuse not to do it. And so that, that slow morning for me, for someone who is a bit of a doer, is what I really need. And that's my self-care. It's just that hour and a half to two hours to meditate, yoga, journal, and then I'm kind to the people that show up next. <laughs> and they're aware of it. Because or if you're not, we know you're busy. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I'll be busy <laughs> putting something off that I don't want to do. <laughs> Again, that, that um, when we have that fear or that concern that, that taking that hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever it is, is, is selfish, um, I mean, the kids know, and I watch them every now and again, then they're in their room doing a bit of meditation or heaven knows what they're actually doing, but it's a meditative practice. Um, it's such a beautiful thing to role model. And this time now when we've got more time with each other is such a great opportunity to, to show our children and those around us that that's important. Mm. Just, just. I know we're coming to the end, but I'd love you to share with us. You've got a beautiful marriage, a great relationship. Your husband is delicious. Um, is what are some of your tips around keeping a relationship loving and healthy and beautiful? Yeah. Well, we we wouldn't have survived. There's no doubt about it. Um, we're we are polar opposites, but both very stubborn. Um, Fifteen years ago, oh no, maybe coming up twenty years ago, we read the personality plus book um, by Florence Lydia <laughs> and it saved us um, now the more recently we we some of the rituals that we do that that support each other's goals um, are around scheduling our intentions each week but that's based on what are our most important things each of us and we've sat and worked that out and then scheduling what the week looks like to incorporate some behaviors around that so he's a really social person and if I was um, someone that stopped him going out every morning and running with his mates and having a coffee then he's going to have resentment to me and and he's not going to be the best and he'll be horrible to me so I won't be kind to him and it just starts this cycle so I understand for him that that's not him being you know selfish it's what he needs whereas if we didn't know that about somebody we would just assume that they're being selfish and taking time to do what they want and they're not caring about us we make up some silly story about that so that process of what's important to me this week um, and this is what I'm going to do and sharing that with each other is a really great way to support each other through the most important things because my belief on marriage is that as soon as we have a neediness or a need for each other, um, then it places unnecessary stress on that relationship. But as soon as we understand that at any time that relationship may or may not be there and that we can't assume that it will be there, then and we go about our lives, living our lives so that we're proud of how we show up in all the different environments, then you're choosing to be in that relationship and choosing to be in a relationship is so much stronger than needing the other person. Um, and, and so everything's around how, do, how can I help him be his best? How can he do that for me? Um, and how do we hold each other accountable to that? And, of course, there's moments where we're unkind, um, but you know, being communicating around that, being honest and trying to manage your hurt when you hear something that you don't want to hear um, is, is key to it. But understand your personality types and what's important to each other, your values and, and how you're going to live each week to try and live aligned with that and supporting mm -hmm. each other through that. 
so beautiful and understanding that we're all different not wrong I think is one of the greatest things I love I love how we've had this time with you and I I cannot begin to tell you and thank you enough for the fact that I know you've considered yourself a recovering perfectionist (laughs) and pessimist and control freak and I absolutely love the way you call yourself (laughs) and I'm sure the control freaks the pessimists and the um, perfectionists out there are very appreciative of your tips and feedback (laughs) as other people that live with those types so I just want to acknowledge you for that and look is there if there was one final message on love and self-love and kindness what would that be to this beautiful audience one message I would say, I, I would still go with my mantra, I think, is in that my behaviour matters, but after that I have no control. Because what it allows us to do is just be kind to ourselves, do what we need in any moment, still strive towards great things and do the things that need to be done to move forward on that. But then there's no... Um, control around it there's no it's okay if it doesn't pan out a certain way and that allows us to be self-compassionate and kind to ourselves and others um so it's just yeah it's that my behavior matters what do i need right now what how can i show up right now um I think to this particular time, I just want to reiterate that because at times of challenge, struggle, uncertainty, and knowingness what you're doing every moment of every day truly does matter. And even though we're not out there in our community, the ripple effect, every part, I mean, I love this whole analogy that the betterment of the world is determined by the betterment of the community or the country. The betterment of the country is determined by the communities. The betterment of the community starts in the home. So to have that ripple effect going out now more than ever, I absolutely love what you're saying. My behaviour matters, but after that I have no control. Could you just give, is there a final quote or a thing that's lit you up? I mean, I love your mantra. Is there a quote that's ever kept you going or that you love? There is, and I'm going to forget it now. But my favourite book, my favourite book of all time is Over Places You'll Go. Over Places (laughs) You'll Go. I mean, there's millions of books that that are amazing. But the the quote in there about, um, probably still comes back to the the behaviour point, and I'm going to forget it now, but it's around you have... um, Oh, my gosh, I have, I have forgotten it. Um, it's the very first page and it's about you get to choose. Um, oh, yeah. Go, it's just the book. The whole book is full of those beautiful things. It's a pretty um, amazing one, isn't it? It is. It is. And it keeps, yeah, keeps, keeps me in the right frame of mind. Yeah. And I think also has lightness with it, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. You have... You have brains in your head, you have feet in your shoes, you can see yourself in any direction you choose. Um, yeah, it's, I, I think it just, again, brings us back to what's my next step. And, but, but it's okay. You know, that's the, the, it was the end piece, the bit of have no control, my behaviour matters, but I have no control, is the piece that I needed to hear. It's okay to be, to stop. It's okay to not do it perfectly. It's okay because we have no control over what happens next after that step that we make. Which then brings it back to what, fear and worry, which is yeah. worrying about what's going to happen in the future. But if we stay present, we stay in control. That's right. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, this, it's a incredible loop that our minds and our, our intellect and our emotions, mm. if we allow it to run rampant, can actually, that's, that's probably where a lot of our undoings can come from. Yeah. Would you agree? And that, yeah, I, I do. And I think, of course, none of us want to feel discomfort. So we just run so fast away from it and do all these things that long term we can't run forever. Um, 
we can, but living our last day, we might be proud when we look back on it if we continue to run. So, uh, yeah, I think that opening up, being vulnerable, being okay with discomfort, and I think some things right now may be taken away as the tools that people have used to escape discomfort, the shopping, the the eating, drinking out, all of those things. And so we, we're going to have to get really used to being in discomfort and, and just ask what sits under it. Where, what is it? What do I do in those moments? How do I show up? What do I say? What do I think? Um, it's a really interesting exercise. Um, oh, you're in it. You're so amazing and I'm just so grateful to have shared you with this beautiful audience. Erin Barnes, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Kim. Such a privilege. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Self Love Podcast. Be sure to write a review and share the love with your friends and family and head over and visit Kim and her team at 28.com. That's the word 20 and the number 8.com. Take good care. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.